The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 18, for the week of October 3rd, 2005. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I, of course, am Dave Hamilton, and I'm here... Of course. With John Braun. Hi, John. Hi, Dave. We're here from the Mac Observer, like we are every week. This week I've got a cold, but, uh, hmm. you know. But we're 18. We are. We're 18. That's right. So that means we... Oh, no. You can't do that when you're 18 anymore. No. Yeah, you, you got to wait when, a couple, couple when more. When we young. That's right. So yeah. uh, being that I had a cold, it was, it was fortuitous that uh, John and I had decided to let you run the show this week, and that is... Whoa, we're taking, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> we're taking your comments, and we'll answer them. So at least that uh, that means I don't have to talk quite as much, and uh, and that way my voice won't get all raspy and, and sexy and all that. So. Oh, okay. I was worried. I thought you know this is like confirming that rumor of you know, layoffs or something. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that after the show, John. <laughs> I, I still got to get you. I, I still got to get this show out of you before we talk about that. <laughs> So uh, it, it, it's a very exciting week, though, because not only are we are we eighteen here, we have our first sponsor, and we'd we'd love to uh, love to tell you about uh, the game Rem Two from Got Game Entertainment. It is uh, a puzzle based game, non linear, and they they were actually very smart. They sent John and I uh, copies of the game. It's it's coming out on October fifteenth. And it's it's one of these very graphical games where you navigate through a, a, a hidden world and you, you you interact and play different puzzles and, and try to look for I guess you're you're looking for a secret artifact is the the uh, the the end game uh, though I haven't gotten there yet I I've only played it a little bit but I haven't uh, either um, it's it's it, it may disappoint some though it's nonviolent so nonviolent that's right so if yeah. you're looking for uh, you know blood and gore and spattering. You know? Oh yeah, it's just just it's you more won't it's, find it here. It's all about the brain. It's all puzzles uh from from what I've Yeah, it's very thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and looks like it could uh could provide many many hours of entertainment and it is coming out on October 15th. Uh it'll be available from rem2.com uh for 29.99. And it's, I guess it will be also in, in stores all across North America. So, yeah, I mean, lots of cool different stuff, you know, tunnels and, uh, you know, neat little puzzles. And you got to sort of figure out this world that you're in. And it's the, the interface is all very, uh, very intuitive, at least as far as I found. Do you find that too, John? Absolutely. Yeah. Graphical. Uh, I like the, uh, was it a subway or something? You're riding on something. You're, yeah. And when you start the game, yeah, you're definitely riding on a, a train car, I think. And, and, uh, if you turn around and look down on it, actually that car, if you if you got to to where you you ended the, the the ride on the car, if you climb up the ladder and turn around and look down, the car can actually go up the track. There's more track up top, so I got to figure out how to do that. Yeah. So, Got Game Entertainment's Rem Two available on October fifteenth from Rem Two dot com. So thank you very much for uh, being our sponsor. They they are our sponsor for the month of October. So you'll hear us talking more about it, and uh, as our time allows, John and I will be playing the game a little bit, and perhaps we'll have even more to say. So there you go. Got Game Entertainment. 
so we are going to we've got letters. We're we're doing the mailbag this week. Next week though, just uh to to prepare yourselves and to prepare us, we're going to be talking uh about issues that plague switchers. Um questions, all that good stuff. We we feel your pain. We feel <laughs> Well, but we're happy least... to, we're welcoming them to the to the max side. Right? Yes. Um yeah, I've uh I felt your pain because I on a fairly regular basis have to deal with the IT department of oh, yeah. a major company. So I see it firsthand and it it's scary how Dilbert like it is where <laughs> you get the sense you're not dealing with the same company. That's right. And uh most other people actually we did have someone um email us, maybe we'll bring it up later, but uh he he's actually a closet switcher and uh, you know, I think there are more people like this than than uh, we uh, admit. And I don't know what you'd call them, but yeah, not switchers really, but you know the the poor people that you know lead a, a dual existence. That's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. So that that's next week. So if you have any switcher related questions, do feel free. Please don't just feel free. Feel obligated to tell us. And you can of course email us Mac MacGeekab at MacObserver dot com, or you can you can call our uh, our audio comment line at two zero six 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 geek. And with that, we are going to get right into the uh, the audio yeah. comments for this week, and yeah. uh, and I'm going to try and find this first one from. Boy, you know, I thought I had it right up in front of me here, and apparently, I think I have it. Do you? I've got it here from from Mark Antoine, and uh, and and here we go. It's a, it's a good one to start off with. Are you ready? Hi, John. Hi, Dave. Greetings. My name is Mark Antoine Legault from Montreal, Quebec. I have an iBook G4 that I carry everywhere I go. Since I keep it in my school bag, it rests against my back, and this puts pressure on the screen. And if I turn it around, the books do. This makes my keyboard touch the LCD, and I noticed that it made traces on my screen that I can't seem to get rid of. I tried rubbing it with soft cloth and warm water, but to no avail. Is there anything else I could try apart from changing my screen to get rid of the marks? Thanks a lot, and you guys have a great show. All right. John, thoughts? oh my! Yeah. I've I had that problem. Not so much with my current uh, machine, which actually is on a repair adventure of epic proportions. <laughs> That'll come in a future show. Um, get Apple Care. Yeah. So, um, so one thing that you can do, and I remember this when I had a titanium, which was yep. for my current machine. Yep. That machine, it was a nice machine. It had some design flaws, I would say, though. One was the hinges, which cracked. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other was because the screen got so, so close, because they were, you know, yeah. saying the machine was so thin, which it was. Which it was, um, right. It did, you have, did you have premier. a trick to get rid of that stuff? Well, the trick, I think, uh, vigorous cleaning. Yeah. And I'm trying to think what I use. There are some things. Now, there's our pals at RadTech. Oh um, yeah, well for the for the preventative measures, the, the yeah, you can definitely get one of those uh, very thin keyboard covers. And and what it is is it's the oil from your hands, right? You, you're typing yeah. on the keyboard, and the oils from your hands get on the keyboard. And then when you close up the PowerBook, the oils transfer the, or the iBook, the oils transfer from the keyboard to the screen. So I found that that uh, I didn't need to use soap. I just I used uh, like John said a vigorous cleaning. Um, and maybe a couple different uh, times of it. I, I, I wouldn't be comfortable putting soap on that screen, but maybe some of you will write in and say, "Hey, it works just fine. Don't sweat it. You know, don't. But don't use something with ammonia. If you're going to experiment with soap, Ooh. don't use yeah. Windex. Okay, 
You, no, use something very mild, but uh, yeah, but no chlorine, no. Try, try water. You know, water and a and a and a dust-free cloth. You know, and and that that should uh, that should take care of it for you, I think. But but no. then definitely go get one of those 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 uh, keyboard covers so you don't have to mess with it all the time. Uh, yeah, they're nice. Um, absolutely. Radtech also has uh, something they call Omni Cleans, which oh, well, there our you buddy. Go. Uh, uh, is it Matt? I think it was uh, Matt. Yeah, Matt um, gave me some of that. And actually, it does a really nice job of cleaning things up. I'm not sure about is it. I is haven't it tried it. I'm deeply embedded. Okay. Um, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I work on screen okay. and other things. So, okay. uh, you know, I gather it has some sort of cleanser. And, and also, uh, the guys that make those. Um, radtech.us, right? And, and they're, uh, yeah, and they're not a sponsor. They're, they're not a sponsor, but, but uh, have been using their products for years, both John and I have. So, radtech.us. You ready for the next one, John? I'm ready. Okay. This is uh, from the uh, anonymous voicemail caller, but uh, we'll play it anyway. Here we go. Hi, guys. Uh, love your show. I vote for two 30-minute uh, deals per week. I can't ah, get yes. enough. Huh? No. Anyway, two quick no. questions. Uh, do you all know of any book that uh, would explain in you know simple layman's term how to use iPhoto? I'm having a problem with that. The other thing is I came from the PC to the Mac, and I bought an iBook G4 uh, with 30 gigs of hard drive. Now I keep getting a message that my startup disk is all full and I have to delete. Uh, I really don't know what to delete. Every time we get an update, uh, they throw more stuff on there. So anyway, keep up the great work, and uh, hopefully I'll uh, be able to get an answer. Bye-bye. Okay. Hmm. I may approach that in reverse order. Okay. Maybe I'll go in one order. So he was okay. saying iPhoto. Well, iPhoto. Yep. You know, honestly, I'm not too up. I'm going to have to. iPhoto for dummies. iPhoto okay. for dummies. They do have one. Yep. Absolutely. I wasn't sure. Yep. But. Now I I pulled it up at Amazon here by Kurt Simmons, and uh, my my guess is that that's going to. Oh, actually, that's iPhoto two. So that may not be what we need. But uh, my guess is that. Uh, there's got to be something else, right? No, it's just iPhoto two. Hmm, that would that would get you moving, but uh, it's not going to tell you everything. So, uh, uh, believe it or not, the online help I try sometimes. I've had mixed results. Um, oh, or, or there's iLife 04 all in one desk reference for dummies. That'll have more information for you too. So the the and, full iLife suite, and that was uh, yeah. just about a year ago. So that 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 would actually. That would get you there. So iLife for Dummies is is going to be uh, your, your best bet on that one. Now, as oh, far as cleaning up the I drive. I see another one here. Oh, okay, um, okay. And it seems to include this guy, Bob Love. Um, I'm oh, not sure I, if it's yeah. updated. No, I, I don't think Bible. it is. Yeah, okay. But mm-hmm. Bob writes pretty good stuff. Bob does a fantastic job. <laughs> okay, right, so cleaning stuff up. Oh, boy. Have you ever used oh. Omni Disk Sweeper, John? I have not. Oh, this is great. From the Omni Group, the same folks that, that bring us all the other Omni software, they bring us Omni Disk Sweeper. And uh, it, I, I've always suffered from this problem, right, where you know you, you want to find all the big stuff on your drive, but you don't want to drive yourself crazy doing it. That is exactly mm-hmm. what Omni Disk Sweeper does. You, you install it, and I believe there's even a free demo. So you can just go and get it, and we'll put a link in the show notes and, of course, in the enhanced podcast, assuming that comes together for us. Uh, it w- works really, really well. It you know you give it about twenty minutes. It scours your drive, finds everything, and then uh, it gives you a list, and you can sort the list any different any any way you like. But uh, you know I always wind up sorting it by size, 
works really, really well. So Omni Disk Sweeper is uh, is that uh, that's uh, that's my answer for that one. So okay, like that, that um, couple of things to toss in there. One yeah. is uh, this is something I reviewed a little while ago, earlier this year, called Compost. It's a preference okay. pane. I don't know if it's been updated, but what it would do is kind of take care of emptying your trash. Um, ah. when certain conditions came up. So, like, if things have been there for over a certain number of days. Really? If it's over a certain size. Yeah, check it out. It's, um... We'll put a link in the show notes. Looking yeah. at it now, yeah. yeah. But um, but that's good if you just forget sometimes to empty it. Uh, the other that's thing awesome. I do is, a lot of times I will turn on folder uh, in the view options. Oh, yeah. Turn on, uh, you know, calculate all sizes, which yeah. uh, sometimes takes a while, but then... Usually that helps me focus in on anything that's a big hog. Yeah, so in, in Tiger, that's view, show, view, options. Nope, sorry, going the wrong way. It's, uh, yeah. It view. is? It's show, view, options, is that right? View menu, that's show, it. view, options, and then there's a checkbox, calculate all sizes. Calculate all sizes, that's right. And you can't, you have to be in the folder list view, not in the column view in order for that to work. Right. right. The, the one in the center. The one in the, the one in the center. So not the icons and not the columns on the right, but the one in the center, which is just the list view. And then you can, that's right, calculate yeah. all sizes. And you can kind of drill down. Every now and then I do that because I usually leave stuff around. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Longer than I should. Absolutely. Um, another strategy maybe, I, I actually have a folder called archive. So I put stuff in there that I know it's just like holding on to just in case, like installs of software and stuff. So you may want to Revisit, you know, why you're keeping things. That's a good. That's a good point. That's an excellent point, actually. Are we moving on? I I think we're moving. We're moving forward. Okay. Forward. Oh, let's move backwards. It's so much more fun that way. <laughs> Sideways. Sideways. I did it side. Oh, never mind. No, that's different. Sorry. I told you I had a cold. I'm loopy. I, you know, I'm 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 barely hanging on here, folks. So, I'm, I'm what did so, you take? Did you take anything that makes you? N- nothing good. Nothing. Uh, nothing like what I should have taken. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah Nyquil. That. Uh, oh yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be taking that in about uh, what is what, what what time are we at here? In about twenty minutes, I'm going to be taking the Nyquil, and then that's okay. it. So the show may not get posted tonight, folks. It may it may wind up mm-hmm. uh, on on the servers in the morning. But of course, that's after the fact. So, you know. There you go. All right. So uh, this is uh, actually this is a good one. This is actually some feedback back. We had asked about iPod insurance in a previous show, and yes. we had a couple a couple of people write in. Uh, Stephen Howell had actually written in about a company in the UK that offers iPod insurance, but I believe that's only for UK residents, uh, which mm-hmm. is fine. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But. Uh, Ruben and uh, and and Ruben wrote in this audio comment or sent in this audio comment, which I'm going to play here, and and then Andrew uh, also wrote in the same thing. So, hang on, and we'll get this fired up here. Hey guys, it's Ruben from Annapolis. Oh, you had a question again. about insurance for your iPod. The closest thing I've seen it as something I purchased when I purchased my first Thingig iPod a few years ago at Comp USA. The charge was about 50 bucks, and I wasn't going to buy it. I just wrote it off as one of those, I don't know, insurances they try to sell you just yep. to add on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they said that if I actually dropped it and broke it myself, they would replace it. That's the only reason mm-hmm. I, you know, I bought it, because I was going to use it for, you know, being active and running and such. So uh, anyway, fast forward a few years later, uh, sure enough, the hold button was permanently on hold, no matter which way you swung it back and forth. So I was able to go back to CompUSA, take my insurance in. Uh, I don't even think that there was actually a deductible. 
Wow. And they replaced it, and, and the cool thing was is they don't even make 10-gig iPods anymore, so I got an upgraded 20-gig iPod, and uh, it was the best, you know, 40 or 50 bucks I ever spent, so I, I, I definitely purchased it for this one as well. So anyway, I don't think, I haven't seen anything where you could just buy it one-off, but I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that's what I've uh, personally used, okay? Make it easy. Thank you, Ruben. Yeah. So that that's actually good to know. And Best Buy, Andrew had written in that Best Buy will do the same thing for uh, for forty bucks. So hmm. yeah, I always thought those things were ripoffs. Well, you know, they're a ripoff until you need it, and then it's your saving grace, right? That's uh, you know, just like the extended yeah. warranty on your car, which I always buy actually. So huh. yeah, I think the some credit cards have uh, coverage on certain things too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I'd still love to find a place that offers aftermarket insurance. Uh, you know, if I already own the iPod and I want to get it insured. Um, I would I would love to to be able to find a place that does that because I I really think that, that that's a that's a huge thing, and uh, and it could be a good business for somebody you know for forty or fifty bucks they probably will make out a little bit so you know yeah I mean here in TMO Towers if something breaks we just pick up the red phone and we it pick gets up the, taken care of it gets taken yeah the the garbage guys come and it goes away <laughs> and that's the end of it right <laughs> it just ships it off to Basura oh wait no that's not that <laughs> never mind uh. <laughs> Next. Anyway, uh, yeah, well, John, you've you've got some email comments that came in uh, that that you're gonna that you're gonna that you're gonna read for us tonight. Would you uh, would you take one? Oh, I can do that. All right. Uh, so let's see, which one do we have here? Pick one soon. Ah, Gary. How about the one from Gary? Okay. Yeah, I don't know if we have an answer for this, but I think it's worth uh, worth talking about. But hi, Dave, and I see a John. Well, big fan of the show. Listens all the time. The question. Um, Basically, he was talk. We were talking about FireWire 400 drives. Um, he mentions that he bought a larger 500 gig external. Ooh, that could be part of the problem. Right. Okay. 500 gig external and uses the FireWire 800, but it doesn't power it. If he uses the 400, it will. Oh. Okay. So. Well, uh, he's, he's, so he's not getting the juice. He's, yeah, he, what, what his question is, is uh, he, he wants to have a, a drive that the computer powers. And my experience has been that there's very few of the full-height drives, um, you know, full-size, you know, 3.5-inch drives that, uh, that the computer will power. But uh, it, most of the most of the self-powered drives, self-powered being the computer provides power over the bus. Most of those that I've found have been laptop-sized drives. Um, so I, I've never seen a, a full-size drive that gets bus power because I don't think the FireWire bus provides enough power to spin one of those. Yeah, I was poking around. It wasn't easy. I, I found one reference to something along the lines of forty-five. Watts total maximum potential power, something like that. Which no kidding, I had I had no idea that the FireWire bus could provide that much. Well, I think it was a theory. Yeah, I was like, hmm, that that seems like quite a bit. That is quite a bit. Drives draw that much. Couple watts, maybe. What do you think? Uh, what is it usually? Yeah, I mean it, it. I don't know. I don't, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe somebody can write in and tell us uh, what, what the what the maximum is on a FireWire bus, and uh, and if there's a difference between the 400 and 800, because that would be a a, a good uh, a good thing to know. I, like I said, I've I've never seen anything but a laptop sized drive that's self powered. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a laptop and you're traveling with a drive, it is nice. Like John was saying a couple weeks ago, it is nice to have a, a self powered drive that you just plug in one cable and you're done. So. That's uh, 
that's that. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. We had... Oh, got to stay closer to the mic here. I told you. I'm not thinking tonight. Who's over there? Mike? Mike. Yeah, he's standing yeah. here. He's making sure everything's good. So, uh, Baco Benton wrote in and said that he's uh, been using iDisk and Backup for two years now and has been looking forward to each update. And this, of course, is in reference to the i, I the uh, sorry the the Backup three and Dot Mac upgrade that we mentioned a couple weeks ago. Uh, I immediately began using the new plans. I backed up to an external drive for daily incremental and to DVD monthly. I was watching my daily incremental backups and wondered why my home folder backup plan was growing so much each day. I did some digging around and found a nice trick I thought you might want to pass along. Since I am also using iDisk, and since I maintain an offline version of my iDisk through iDisk syncing, he also now has a, one, a new one gigabyte mirror that is constantly changing multiple times per day. If you have iDisk syncing enabled, essentially what that means is your computer creates another copy of everything that's on your iDisk and just keeps that updated along with your iDisk. So if you're not connected, you have all the content from your iDisk, but you're not actually touching your iDisk. And then when you reconnect, it'll sync. All right, back to the email. Uh, so if you keep the black backup plan as it stands, you're, you will back up the mirror each and every day. Even though it may never really change, it is constantly syncing, so it appears to change. If you modify the plan to exclude one single folder, it works exactly the way you want to. So he was finding that, of course, his backups were backing up this monster iDisk uh, uh, image and causing him all sorts of problems. So he went into his... Uh, in uh, in his backup program, he says, go to what not to backup, which is an option, and then under your user folder, navigate to library, and then to mirrors. Simply tell backup not to include the mirrors folder, and your daily incremental backups are no longer bloated with your iDisk. So thank you, Baco. That's a that's a handy little tip. Hmm. And I never would have thought of that. I, uh, hmm. you know. Funny how it lets you do that. You would think it would kind of warn you, like, you know what you're doing is kind of redundant well i think what happened is you know he was a backup user from from version two and probably prior so it, it inherits all your settings it may it may or may not do that if you were to create an, a new backup from scratch but for those of us that have been using backup all the way through it you know it inherits your settings just as you would expect it to but and he wasn't seeing a problem with it because his iDisk was much smaller before but now that his iDisk is a gig it's growing a lot faster so I see. Yeah, I tried backup three. It's uh, oh, it's, it's trying to get it to back up the whole drive. It, it's not really geared towards that, but then that's, no, that's not no. really a problem because what do you really need to back up? So I, li- I like the way it comes up and yep. has a bunch of you know canned profiles already. Or yeah, backup plans, I guess. And I and like I said a couple of weeks ago, I I just love the the fact that it now allows you to use multiple computers with the, with a single dot Mac account, uh, so I can back up you know documents from various different sources and pop them all up there. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, another one. Yeah, we'll go. Uh, we'll go with uh, Max and his uh, his audio comment here. Are you Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Hi guys, this is Max calling from Minnesota, and I got a question for you. Um, I've got an iMac G5. I got it back in January, and I just I love the thing to death. But the problem I'm having with it is, and it's actually gotten better. I don't know what I did, but it's gotten a little bit better but that the CPU usage is just running up high. I'm not talking, you know, pegged out to 100%, but it'll be running up around 30, 40, 50, 60, 70% all the time. You know, most guys need to open up their activity monitors to find this out, but I'm guessing because they had to cram the G5 into this little iMac, 
And as we all know, the G5 gets very hot that, you know, there's the fans in there that run along with the speed of the processor. So when that processor starts to get up around 50%, I know it because I start hearing this hum coming out of the back of my computer. And, you know, if it gets up around 80 90%, I mean, it sounds like somebody started up a snowblower in there. And so my question is, what ways can I just bring that, that idling speed down? Because... I mean, I take advantage of the fact that I have a G5 and I just keep all my programs running. And when I go into the activity monitor, it's that it's not too much of my user that's being used. It's not too much user processes, but just a lot of system processes running anywhere from the 10 to 20, 30% anywhere in there, which is just keeping that processor running all the time. So wondering if you guys have any tips for me on how to bring that idle process to speed down a little bit, that'd be great. Thanks a lot. All right, Max. Well, hmm. it's odd that you would have your you know, your kernel process and, and all of that stuff taking up as much uh, of the CPU at idle time. Uh, I, I know a couple of things that will cause the system processes to, to use a, a substantial amount of the CPU. And of course, one of them is I.O., disk usage, uh, copying to and from a FireWire drive, anything like that, or even just copying to and from your local drive, right, will will cause the, the kernel uh, CPU usage to go up somewhat. Uh, there's also that issue with Tiger and the ATS server that sometimes causes mm-hmm. the ATS server to spike. And, and I'm told through various uh, sources that that may actually be fixed in, in, in an upcoming uh, OS X update. So hopefully we'll we'll see that soon. But uh, but for the most part, you know, uh, I find Microsoft apps, Microsoft Office will also do it, right? They, they even when idling, they tend to uh, they tend to chew up quite a bit of the processor, especially as things have been running for a while. OS 10 is one of those things where my experience is, especially with Tiger, it, with all the good that it brings, it it does do some funky things. And uh, I I highly recommend quitting apps when you're when you're not using them. Uh, it just my experience has been that that keeps things running smoother. What do you think, John? Um, yeah, another thing to check. I'm not sure how much memory we're talking here. Oh, good um, point. Oh, if you have an artificially small amount of memory, uh, yeah. the place you could look is could be in the activity monitor. There's a system memory uh, tab there, and it shows you. And what you could look at is um, it has something page ins, page outs. If those numbers are changing a lot then yeah. get more memory um yeah that's true that's one thing i could think of well, no you're, you're probably right yeah it, it, it well i mean if it's swapping a lot and by swapping what we mean is using virtual memory then it would be using a lot of disk io of course and that'll pump up the processor usage artificially which um, of course by virtual memory you mean the computer is using the disk as that's instead right. of chip memory, which is many, many times faster. Many times faster, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think actually that that machine only has a place for one one chip or two chips. I haven't looked inside one, one of those. One more chip, I believe. I've, I've got the I've got the same comes machine. one? Yeah, it comes with one okay. and we got another one. But uh, yeah, I, so. I, I always recommend getting 
at least a gig of memory for your for your Mac, especially if yeah. you're going to do what Mac says, where he's, he's keeping everything open all the time. You need to give it room for that stuff to be open. And I, I know people have written articles that say, oh, OS 10, holy grail, protected memory, virtual memory, yada, yada. And it does. It has all that stuff. But uh, the fact of the matter is, if you want to keep all your stuff open, you need to have enough RAM to, to, to let that stuff stay open. Because programs that are idling in the background are rarely actually idling in the background. They're always doing something. And by demanding attention of the CPU, they're demanding that, that their resident portion be loaded into memory so that they can do whatever they need to do. And if everybody's doing that, even when it's idle, your machine's doing a lot of work. So mm-hmm. if that made sense. It does to me. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I'm standing here just trying to keep myself upright. So, you know. You're standing? I'm sitting. No, I'm, I'm standing it's on different. the... Not in the squeaky chair. No, you're not in the squeaky chair. In the squeaky right. chair. Yeah. Squeaky yeah, chair. All <laughs> uh, right. Uh, another, so another. we'll save the last audio. I'm sure we've got more email comments, right, John? We've got yeah, to have something. Another, Read me one. Email you, you set it up, I'll knock it down. <laughs> this one's kind of related to the last one here. Well, this is from right. uh, Lance Kinley. Okay. Um, so he loves the show. Awesome. Good. Been Perfect. listening Excellent. since July. Very good. Very good. Um, so first off, he's got a 17-inch power book, uh, nice. the, uh, the Battleship, uh, configured mm-hmm. not to spin down the hard drive when possible. Uh, that is in System Preferences Energy Saver somewhere. Uh, I believe um, under Advanced, yeah. Yeah. Or uh, yet I hear that they're yeah. spinning back up quite often. The PowerBook is plugged into AC most of the time. I assume alternating curtain and not an air conditioner. And I've upgraded the drive to a 7200 RPM Hitachi, the E model, which sounds like a pretty zippy drive. Um, designed for heavy duty cycles. Why is it? Why is it? Why is it not powering, powering down the drive? I think is what he's saying. No, why is, it, no why is it else. powering down the drive? That's what he's asking. He's he's told it to not turn the hard drive off, and yet it still I see it is it's spinning anyway. So so hmm. uh, I, I I know of an option for him here. There, there's a little program if you're willing to go to the command line, and if you're not, well, set aside your unwillingness for the moment. <laughs> head head to the command line and, and run a program called PMSET. PMSET. That is uh, is the command line interface to all of the little uh, options available, and and you can you can see there's different things for when you're on a power adapter versus when you're on battery. And of course, that that's mirrored in the energy saver settings, but uh, but there are times when that it, it simply gets out of sync. I've seen it on my power books in the past. Um, one thing that you can also do is the uh, the PRAM reset. So restart the machine. Command option PR and and doing that will uh, kind of refresh all that stuff out and uh, ah and, the parameter RAM yes yep. and and then there's also the open firmware right where you you go to uh, command option OF as the machine is booting uh, yes. and and it brings you to a little prompt and I believe it's uh, NVRAM hyphen defaults. And then uh, reset all again with a hyphen in the middle. R E S E T hyphen A L L. So NVRAM hyphen defaults. Press enter, and then R E S E T hyphen A L L. Enter. That will cause it to reboot, uh, which is exactly what you want it to do because there's not much else you can do there in open firmware. But that'll load even more of the default stuff than you get with with a uh, with the 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 PRAM thing. Sorry. 
Command Option PR. Command Option PR is something you also do as the machine is booting. You hold it down, hold down Command Option PR as soon as you hear the startup chime, and then you'll hear the startup chime again, and you'll continue to hear it until you release the uh, the Command Option PR. But usually once is enough, though. I've seen many people swear that you got to do it four times. So do it four times. It doesn't take that long. Right? Yeah, I wonder if it's a... Uh, hmm. Could also Shelter. be heat heat related too. Yeah, I've seen drives. I have an external firewire. You think for power management? Nah. A jumper on the drive? No, not on those nah. drives. It's all controlled by the machine. Yeah. 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 So I see where you're going. So something's corrupted somewhere. It's not it, paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Or it, you may be right though. It may just be that the drive, like I said, for heat or or some other reason, is just deciding to spin down because drives do have their own, uh, you know, uh, safeguards in them. I've got one drive that until I had the air conditioner installed in the office this summer. It, it's an external firewire drive, so it's not inside the machine. And it would get to be about three o'clock in the afternoon, and get start start getting pretty hot in here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then that was it. The, the little blue light on the drive would change to a red light, and I'd hear that drive spin down, and it'd stay down for about six or seven minutes, and then it'd spin itself mm-hmm. back up. Yeah, so could now be a heat thing. Something. Yeah, they have something also. If you run the uh, disk utility. Yeah. Um, which will give you a status. There's a, a protocol for asking the drive how it's doing called smart. smart. Right. Something system monitoring, something or other like that. But um, a lot of drives support it. Yeah. And if you select the drive in disk utility, it'll show you the smart status, and it, it should be. It will? I didn't know that disk utility did smart stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. That. Yeah, let's see. Learn uh, something new every day. No, actually, maybe it doesn't. I knew, oh, I knew there it was is. a okay. reason I listened to this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking at some of my drives here, and it okay. says not supported. I don't know if it's because they're oh, serial yeah, there or it DA. Is. Or, yeah. I think that's an ID. Is that just ID? Uh, I'm seeing be. it. I'm seeing it with it. Yeah, with a standard ATA drive in uh, in my dual G4. Uh, okay. Uh, and it says one, okay. And it says uh, smart status colon verified. So Splendid. Splendid. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. So you may want to see what your status of your drive is there. It sounds like it's probably an internal one on the uh, It would be ETA on the power bus. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are we uh, moving on to an audio comment, John? The last of the audio comments, you think? I think so. All right. We'll, we'll, this, one, this one is near and dear to my heart, so uh, we'll let Stephen explain the problem that, uh, that plagues many of us. Hi, Dave and John. This is Stephen Seiler in Seattle. Love the show and look forward to geeking out with you guys every week. I have a question Likewise. about iChat 3. Sometimes since I've upgraded to uh, Tiger, I've had lots of difficulty connecting to my buddies to do audio and video chat. They've also had uh, problems as well. I get lots of errors that say I do not respond or they do not respond, and sometimes it says there's no bandwidth, even though we're all on uh, high-speed connections. Um, oddly enough, I've been able to connect to the Apple Test Buddy. I was on uh, with Apple Care, and we were able to connect audio and video. And uh, with all of my buddies, we've all been able to audio and video chat before. And we everybody has uh, the same equipment since we've been able to uh, chat. The discussion boards are just ripe with all kinds of topics about. Uh, this problem and all kinds of contortions around opening ports and whatnot. This just shouldn't be this hard. And I'm wondering if you've had the same experience or if you've heard of this problem and if you think there may be a bug in iChat 3. Thanks advance in advance for your help. Appreciate it. 
Preach on, brother. Yeah, I, I, I've run into this problem. My my brother and I wind up using iChat AV quite a bit um, and have seen this since, you know, Panther, no problems. Every day could chat, no problem. As soon as Tiger came out, we both had it on our machines, exactly the problems that Steven's describing. And so it, it, mm-hmm. it led us both to start digging into to different things. And and apparently, what there's a couple things going on. When you go to set up a video uh, conference with someone with iChat, Apple, of course, wants to make it so that this works very well for everyone. And with people behind various firewalls, if you've got a router that effectively acts as a firewall and it certainly does some weird NAT routing and and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, so what they've done is they have an intermediary server that you both connect to, and then that sort of sets up the chat for you both, and then and then you connect. I, I think that this problem may be related to that server, um, and because mm-hmm. because my brother and I have been through many many machinations with this, and there's times when we'll have no ports forwarded, everything is just default on our routers, and we've tried it with different routers. You know, the I think right now we're both using the Linksys uh, WRT54G, which is their oh, wi- wireless I router, which is too. the one you have. Mm-hmm. But I, I, of hardware. I was also having this problem when I was using a Linux machine and having G Shield. You know, I had two two Ethernet cards in my Linux machine and was running G Shield, which is an open source firewall kind of management utility. And was having exactly the same problem with that. It, it didn't change when I moved to the Linksys router. The only thing that we've found that sometimes solves it is by putting one of us in what they call the DMZ. And I don't believe Apple's airport router supports this, but a lot of routers do. And what DMZ does is you log into your, your router uh, of choice and you tell it, okay, you know, this machine at internal address, you know, whatever – and you look into your uh, system preferences under Ethernet to find out your local, uh, you know, the address of your machine. And you say, okay, this machine is in the DMZ. And what that means is normally if, uh, you know, a, a, a query comes in from the, from the outside world, your router looks at it and says, okay, who asked for something from this? And if the answer is nobody did, it simply ignores it, which is great. It basically acts as a, you know, kind of a very rudimentary firewall in that regard. Well, if you put it in what they call the DMZ or the demilitarized zone, you take one of your computers and you say to the router, look, if something comes in that you don't know what to do with, don't worry about it. Pass it through to this machine, and I'll take all responsibility for it. And by putting one of the machines in the DMZ, it often gets past this problem, but uh, but not always. Even even then, we found you got to quit iChat and come back into iChat or sometimes even restart your Mac Restarting the router often has very little to do with it, so I think there's something with that that server that uh, that Apple uses to to sort of be the the mediator, if you will, of those those connections. Hmm. Yeah, it almost works during MacWorld. Well, get it. it does it? Yeah, right. Oh, for Steve, you mean? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, not for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had the same problem too, and sometimes I think also ISPs sometimes get kind of cranky if there's too much bandwidth on certain ports. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess they can. I mean, it, iChat doesn't use a whole lot of bandwidth, even for mm-hmm. even for video chat. You know, I, we find that even to do thirty frames a second, um, we're, we're doing you know maybe fifty or sixty k. It's not like it's soaking up uh, one one direction or another. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yep. So that's that. So that's uh, 
if anyone has any any more insight into that, uh, I'm sure we all would uh, would appreciate hearing about it, uh, and we'll we'll happily share it on the show. But uh, but that that's been my experience is that there's times when it just works, and two hours later it doesn't work. And it's got to be something else. It can't be, you know, something on one end or the other. It's got to be that intermediary server that's causing something wacky to go on. So. Mm-hmm. That's that's my experience. All right. Well, we have some uh, some housekeeping to go through here. How are we doing on time anyway? I usually have someone was supposed to clean. Oh up. yeah. Well, you know that's how it goes, right? Uh, so let's get the uh, the the little uh, the little vamp going here, right? Don't I have that going? <laughs> we gotta get that going, right? <laughs> We'll bring it down a little bit for him. So anyway, uh, we've got a couple of things. Oh, we've been doing the show in AAC enhanced format, right? Uh, People dig it. Yeah, most of you have most have have written in and said, "Yeah, this is great." But a a few of you have said, "Look, I I really would like the MP3 version for for one of a variety of of reasons," and and that's fine. I always have now been converting the shows to MP3 and posting a link to the MP3 version from the website. Well, in checking the traffic logs. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, a tenth of a percent of you, if that, that's pulling the MP3 version from the website. So my question, mm-hmm. our question to you is, if you're one of those folks who wants the MP3 non-enhanced version of the show, would it make a difference for you to get it as a feed so that it would automatically just download that? Because uh, that's something we could do. I mean, it would take a little bit of work on the back end because we have all these feeds automated and uh, makes life really easy for us. But but I, I'd be happy to spend the time to write a new feed generator for uh, just for you. So let me know. It's all about you. It is, yeah. Uh, we uh, Let's see. There's, is there anything else? Next week, of course, is the switchers, right? So if you have any Switcher-related questions, please let us know. Uh, we still have Gmail invites, so if you'd like one, let us know. We're happy to send them out. They keep giving them to us. We keep giving them to you. Mm-hmm. Send in audio comments to macgeekgab at macobserver.com or, uh, or, or, or phone them in, 206-666-GEEK. That's 206-666-4335. It is uh, the, begi- it is the beginning of a new month, you know, John. Vote. Yes, they must vote. Uh, head over to Podcast Alley. We'll give you a link. There'll be one right here in the podcast while you're seeing this, or while you're listening to this, rather. Uh, vote for us. They, they do a lot of stuff with the Podcast Alley Top Ten, and you folks put us in there uh, last month for a little while. We'd, we'd yeah. love for you to do it again. And uh, So please please head over and vote, and vote for all your favorite podcasts. Don't, don't just vote for us. But remember, what, what's the thing you like to say, John? A vote for us is a vote for the man. Can I say that? You said it. Thanks for listening, folks. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Well, we won't see you. You'll hear from us. Send in your comments. Thanks. I promise to be more awake next week. I hope. Because I can't take this cold any longer. It's pretty sick of you, too.